Welcome to the Ocean Hills Podcast. Our hope is that today's message would help you connect more deeply with God and with others. If you would like more information on what is happening in the Ocean Hills community, check out our website at oceanhills.org or download the Ocean Hills app. If you are encouraged by our ministry and would like to partner with us financially, you can give through your mobile device by texting Ocean Hills to 77977. We hope you enjoy this message. You can reach out to DJ. He did an awesome job. Well, I want to dismiss the 5th through 12th graders. They're going to go out to their classes. And um, as they head out, I just want to transition us. Um, Give me just a moment to quiet your heart. Um, We're going to sing a song that just kind of addresses... Um, the tension that sometimes is in marriage, particularly we're in a marriage marriage series, um, the tension of you know living with someone, um, being in relationship with someone, ongoing. It's not all butterflies and roses, and then there's also the tension of we are in a marriage series, and some of you are not married or are single or are divorced, and so that brings up stuff, and so. This song is really just kind of about the push and pull of relationships, of being in a relationship, of even wanting to be in a relationship. So just invite you to sit in that tension, to experience it, to maybe ask God what he has for you this morning, um, maybe even in the tension that you might be feeling today. I always will. Oh, I don't love you. 
Jamie, let's go. We gotta get ready for Sunday morning. Okay. Alright, well, we well we got that. But I, I think what we need to do is we gotta we need to hit this pose. Okay. So turn your feet around. Kinda, this I way. Turn my feet. Yeah, this side. Okay. And I can and then And then you you gotta, gotta get those legs. Yeah. Keep and the, catch. And the, oh, I need the, and I need I'm supposed to get skin. Good skin. I can't feel any skin. I think but oh no, we gotta hit it for two I, two minutes. I think two two minutes. I think I got I think I'm cramping. You like that, Jack? <laughs> I tried to get her to film that with ten times with me. She's like one take wonder. Well, we are Scott and Jamie, and uh, we are We've been asked to speak on this series naked because we are sexperts. We, uh, we have three sons, so we've been naked three, three times. times. So we're here to kind of solve really anything about being naked. Any questions you might have? Uh, we've been practicing our three, two, one this week. Three minutes of attention, two minutes of affection, one minute of appreciation. I'm like, really, John? Was that catchy for you, three, two, one? What's wrong with 321? Like that was your one chance to bless the men in this church. Scott wanted some more skin time. That's why he's not here this week. He doesn't want to show his face because he knows he's in, he's in hot water. But um, we have been married uh, a while. This spring for us is going to be 30 years, and we're excited about that. We've been at Ocean Hills uh, a long time, maybe 18 years or so, and um, and uh, we've over the last 10 years. It's been our privilege to talk to as many people as we can about marriage, not because we've got it all together, but because we feel like it's so important and there's so much downstream of a marriage going well. So that's why we're excited to be talking about this. We're in this Naked series, and, um, and it's, a great, it's a great title. It's a better logo, uh, but the, because it comes out of Genesis 2, 25, which when I was a college student, I always joked this was my life verse. Genesis 2.25, they were naked and not ashamed. I got just so bound up. But, but here's why it's such a great verse, because I think it's deep, it's like the deepest human longing is to be seen as we really are, naked, and loved anyways. It's our deepest fear to be seen as we really are and to be rejected. And it's our deepest human longing to have somebody see us, unattractiveness and all, and loved anyways. And so we're talking uh, about naked. Mm -hmm. Did you want to say our hope? Oh, yeah. I hope that I remember things to say. That's the first <laughs> thing. Um, really, I have two hopes. One is to really uh, to build the motivation uh, to enter into hard places together because it's required. And we'll talk about that. And then given a, a few tools for navigating uh, challenging, difficult situations together. Yeah. And then we would just say that, you know, the stakes are really high with marriage. So whether single or married, whether you've been married or not now, as you look to your future, there's not a lot of great encouragement um, to what marriage could look like well. There's actually a lot more discouragement and culture of what it can't be or how it misses. And so we're privileged to kind of and want to kind of press into what what more it could be. Um, and they gave us the topic, so you can talk about that. You know, you can talk about that. And, you know, interesting when you're given a topic, and we can relate with this as well as a lot of us in this room. Uh, marriage brings out, there's a lot of things to talk about. Um, 
and, and hard things to talk about. And the list can be really long, right? Some of the normal ones, uh, money, sex, communication. We've got families. We've got kids. The list goes on and on about what we could bring in and, and talk about together. Um, and they get pretty serious and heavy sometimes, too. But sometimes uh, they're not only hard to talk about, but sometimes it feels impossible to talk about. Or it can grow to a spot where it completely comes off the table. And some of us are in that place today. Some, some of us have a rhythm. Some of us have really some no-go areas. It's all real. It's all part of it. Um, but what, what we would say before we dive into the hard topics and when we've been speaking with marriages and encouraging them over the last many years... We'd start first, if we could do a full retreat, we'd say we'd first talk about friendship. We'd first talk about friendship. And all the studies kind of say that friendship actually is kind of all the the building blocks to be able to talk about some of the hard things we're going to talk about. So we're not going to have time. I'm going to talk about a few things about that on the tail end, if that's your starting place today. If you're kind of just stuck on building the friendship, that's okay. Many of us are. But uh, just so that you know that studies say that friendship is the number one indicator of whether or not a marriage will make it over time. Friendship, the quality of your friendship. Um, Challenges, we all know, responsibilities, kids, jobs, health, families. There's a lot of things that tear at and tip at marriage or friendship that we first began with 20, 30, 10, five years ago without all those situations going on. And then what happens over time is that friendship kind of becomes a historical thing that we shared, but it's not really current. Sometimes we're being parents along one another, but we're not really friends. So we'll talk about that at the end, but just uh, don't be discouraged. That actually is as foundational as you feel it, that you actually need to have some friendship going to be able to have harder conversations. So we'll get to that. But back to the hard conversations. that you can talk about that so just quickly we've had a lot of them we've had over 30 years just like many of you we've had a lot of them from kind of silly stupid talk about that we've had some funny stories almost comical where uh, we've purchased things got caught on a sales call and all of a sudden came home and spent 500 bucks and was like what this was like early in our marriage and then at that time so intense and then Months later, years later, we still laugh about buying the cosmetics online or getting the phone call. So we've had all those kinds of sillies, right? A lot of us have things that come and go. And then we've got maybe the next layer that is kind of a little bit more real, parenting. How we, how we were raised different. We, Scott was raised in the 60s, with 60s parents in Santa Cruz. I'm very Midwest, 50s. We have really different things, places that we've come from, how we were raised like many of you. Um, our families have gone on to have different issues and things. So we can talk about that. So that's another layer of that. And then we'd say maybe the most nuanced that we're going to kind of introduce even more today. This, you can even talk about that, meaning how are we doing? Where's, where, does, where is that anger coming from and how are we going to get through that? Um, how are we honoring each other? How do we get to liking each other again? So even that, like those really like, ooh, it's even painful to think, it's, it's even more painful to say out loud, and I don't know how it's going to be received. We can even talk about that. We want to encourage you today that we can even talk about that. Mm-hmm. It's not so much that there's just a couple of gimmicks or a couple of how-tos, like, hey, here's how to have a hard conversation. 
it's more, it's coming for us out of a, a deep motivation and a question uh, that we started to ask ourselves. And the deep motivation is, uh, as, you, as we've been talking about each week in this series as a church, and that is what's God's vision for, uh, for what marriage is. And you see this in Genesis 2, 24 and 25, again, life verse, where he talks, he says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. And that word there is a Hebrew word, debak. It means connected to, fastened to, in a way that cannot be undone. And they shall become one flesh. And that Hebrew word there is echad. And that word is like how a symphony, uh, uh, many people playing different instruments can play as one. Or many people on a team can be in the flow playing as one. It's this beautiful big term, echad, of how two people become one, something that they weren't uh, before. And we're designed for this, right? And so we're, indi- we're designed to endure this, uh, and, and, it, and it's intentionally built, and it's challenging. You take two people, and they're going to become one? Well, I don't know about you, but I brought my whole ego to this thing. And I used to think I was a pretty nice person, and then I got married. And it's like, that's like living with a mirror, and you're like, wow, I am not a nice person. Like, I've got lots of problems. And... <laughs> And it's this chafing and this rubbing and this sharpening of each other that marriage is, that is part of the beauty of it. Tim Keller talks about marriage and says that sometimes we, you know, you picture this truck, big truck coming over this bridge, and as it drives over the bridge, like everything on the bridge is starting to buckle and screws are popping off and the paint's peeling off, and the truck is just pressing that bridge. And we tend to look at the truck like that's our spouse. You are pressing the screws out of me, right? And, and they say, no, no, marriage is the truck. The truck is not your spouse. The marriage itself is meant to, to it's challenging. Uh, you know what a crucible is? Two definitions of a crucible. A ceramic or metal container in which metals may be melted or subjected to very high temperatures. This is a crucible. Here's the other meaning of a crucible. A situation of severe trial in which different elements interact, leading to the creation of something new. And we've started to think about our marriage is a crucible. Like this graphite crucible actually gets stronger every time it gets heated up. This has been in our fireplace for a while. That's why it's all chipped up and it's a little bit beat up. But hey, we've been married 30 years. Um, and, And this is meant to get hot. And when it does, it produces something beautiful and it boils out some crud that wasn't supposed to be there anymore in this new creation. And that's been a helpful picture for us. It's why I think James can say, hey, when these trials of various kinds come to you, greet them as friends. I think James was a very old, (laughs) mature, married man when he wrote that. Like this crucible is meant to be hot. It's meant to endure it. But it's, uh, it's good for us. It produces something new. Yeah, and there's a myth, right? We want to kind of just call out a couple of myths that aren't really helpful or actually really harmful to us. Is there's this myth of marrying someone compatible, you know? Um, I'm going to find who I'm compatible with. Or maybe when we were standing there making our vows, we felt very compatible. And now we actually don't. Or that's been really hard, surprisingly hard to feel compatible. We had it all lined up at one time. Well, Tim Keller also in his book has this really helpful metaphor that when you're standing at those vows, it's actually like you're standing with kind of a, a beautiful but un, unetched 
marble, block of marble. And what you're going to be a part of is watching the Lord etch and create something beautiful. But you don't arrive there already done. And none of us do. So that's a helpful thing to call out to say that's actually not that helpful. I'm actually a part of Scott's life and we're becoming someone. Not that I'm holding him to something that he stood to at one time. Um, so some of what this is now gets to, they're talking about it in education a lot, is the idea of mindset, right? How you approach something actually affects how it goes. And so if you get into marriage and you think it's going to be a cruise ship, we're just going to be playing bingo on the Lido deck, this is just going to be so easy. And you don't realize you got on into a warship, that this is challenging, <laughs> and it's, you have a mission and you are going somewhere. Mm. If you have the right mindset, mm. then when the hard things come, you don't try to jump off the ship. So we'd say a winning warship, mm -hmm. as funny as that is, yeah. a, win, a, a warship that's meant to win. Yeah. So our approach just, we approach hard things um, feeling like we're strong and we're made to face those hard things, like the crucible. It's really important when we kind of now go further. We approach those and we think of your marriages like you have everything wired and built within you to actually face and thrive and move into different places. You're made for it. Mm -hmm. So the vision is, what's God's vision? Well, he's, he's creating oneness. And that's, it, it, when we line up our vision with God's vision, it goes better, right? Uh, the second thing is we started to ask our, ourselves the question, what would happen? Like, what happens when the kingdom of God shows up? And you look at the Gospels, it's Jesus' number one topic. He talks about the kingdom of God more than anything else. And go through and look at all the things that happen when the kingdom of God shows up. He's got parables and similes and all these things that, to describe it. And we started to ask ourselves, what happens when the kingdom of God takes over our marriage? Like the rule and reign of God, the way that God wants stuff to go, what if we let that into what he's given us? Mm. Uh, and that's been uh, a very challenging question for us. So we have just kind of a couple of examples. There's like 50. You could go through and just every time Jesus shows up, just look at what happens around him and think of that happening in your marriage. Mm -hmm. so we just have a couple of them. The first one is the kingdom of God is to be invited in. Mm -hmm. uh, the rule and the influence invited in. What would it look like or have you stopped to invite God's rule into your marriage? We do that a lot individually. We do that at church. We do that as a community. How about your marriage? God, what would the kingdom of God look like here in our marriage? We've done that. We've been flat on our face a few times saying, God, we, we don't know, but mm -hmm. we need yours. That's one thing. Kind of goes with it. It comes to the poor in spirit, and it calls for repentance and change. I can think of early in our marriage, we were on this grand adventure together, sold everything, went to Europe, bought a Volkswagen van, we're hippying through <laughs> Europe together before we had kids, just how great can this be? And I'm lying on my back on a dock on this lake in Germany alone, and I'm crying out to God. And I'm like, I have no idea how to be married. I suck at this. Like, I need your help. And there's something about being that honest with God and saying, I need your help to teach me how to do this. Uh, that mm. was a, in that brokenness, some good stuff came out of mm. that. Next one is the kingdom of God is near. Um, What's the next one there? It's near. Uh, just just to the kingdom of God coming in marriage is a good reminder that it's, there's no surprise going on mm. to God right now. However surprised or unequipped or we don't even have words for it, it's not surprising when the kingdom of God is living here. There's no issue we're facing he's not already in on and aware of. 
it's like a treasure hidden in a field, right? Or like a pearl willing to, you know, sell everything you have to get this. It's this idea of do whatever it takes to let God's love and the way he loves into your marriage. Like there's a lot of other things we could talk about, but the one who invented love, the one who is love, it's worth whatever it takes to get that into your marriage mm. and to ask for it. Mm. The kingdom of God comes in, we become like children. Uh, or how do we say it? It's received by children, childlike faith. So we're actually, this is huge. We are actually per, given permission to uh, not have it all together, to not always be right, to even know how to get to the next point. And that's a gift of the kingdom of God that he's inviting into our marriage that um, we don't, well, there's humility. Sometimes you can't imagine that when we're so dug in with one another, but actually that's something he's, he makes possible. It's okay. It's okay. You don't have to have it all together. The kingdom of God is able to cast out the enemy. Like when I remember when I was a little kid, I'd watch the cartoons and there'd always be somebody with like the good angel on the shoulder and the devil on the shoulder. And it's like, which way are you going to go? And we tend to think that that's how life is. It's not a 50-50 battle, people. God is, <laughs> he's won already, by the way. Read the end of the book. Okay, he's won and the enemy is nowhere near as powerful, and there's nothing going on in your marriage that the kingdom of God cannot come and overturn. Like, don't buy into this battle that it's 50-50. God's resources to our marriages is limitless. Hmm. You got the last one, too. And it calls for being uh, prioritized above everything else. Hmm. Uh, I love the Westmont motto, Christ first in all things. Like, it he, this kingdom of God in our marriage, it, it, it should be prioritized above everything else, and everything else will fall into place after mm -hmm. that. So we would say, when we think about Jesus, who embodied the kingdom of God, he kept talking about when he'd show up on the scene, the kingdom of God is here. He was kind of ushering it in. So if we looked at him, we would also think he modeled talking about hard things. Right? He wasn't small talking with people, right? So we could just think about a couple of characters that he engaged with. He kind of went there. We, we think about the woman at the well, right? And so he, he surfaced and in the short amount of time talked about shame, isolation, her sexuality, um, fear. It all kind of came up. If we talked about the tax collectors or people with money, always pride, greed, power, uh, generosity, it all kind of came up the heart of it. If we talked about religious people, he was talking about how prideful were they, about how right were they, and what were they doing with the least of these. He kind of always went there. So it's a model for us and an indication and a question, why? Why would he go there? Is it just because he wanted to kind of get people all their ducks in a row? Was it kind of for his, like he's the powerful one, let's get this right? Sometimes we feel like that in our marriage. Are you just trying to get me to con confess? Okay, I, I blew it, you know? I mean, is that kind of, was that his motivation? Or is it possible it's something different? You know, he could have kept it kind of easy, could have kept the TV on, you know? He could have just, hey, have a good day. But there was something else going on. And, and, and what we've been seeing and what we hear over and over in the, in the Bible, Galatians 5.1 is for freedom, that Christ set us free. It's for freedom. So, so we see that he brought those up, those conversations for their freedom. Just think about that. It wasn't to kind of correct them or box them in. He went there so that they could be free, so that they could see themselves more clearly, so they could see him more clearly. And we'd add on so that we could see each other more clearly. 
How can, how can we, how can we go? We don't see things, especially hard things, completely on our own. Nobody does. Nobody in this room. You don't see your hard thing completely on your own. And that's where we've come into play, where we're drawn to, to model Jesus here because he's going after freedom. Uh, we don't default into freedom. None of us just go, hey, I'm free. It's actually like an intentional step to engage it, especially in marriages. Uh, every time Jesus entered in a conversation, he was moving people to freedom. So with marriage, a good marriage isn't actually conflict-free, conversation-free. But sometimes we might see someone say, hey, they look like they get along well. If you ask any marriage that's been... It's actually not that there's no conflict. That's not a good marriage. Just imagine the opposite happening, um, facing the difficult things for our freedom, facing it for that it comes through. So we've developed over time kind of a sensitivity to it. If we're feeling trapped or have no conversation, we must need to talk about something. It's like as you practice, you, you develop this radar like, uh, we haven't talked. We don't have something open there. There must be something. Just gives you kind of a vision. And the second part of that Galatians 5.1 is really important. It says this. It says, for freedom Christ set us free. So stand firm. Then don't let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. So the cost if we're not free is actually slavery. And we don't really use that word. We think of different images. But let's think about it like this. Trapped. Isolation not connected, not able to be real, don't know you, don't understand you, haven't heard from you. That's the opposite. It's for freedom that Christ set us free. So to Jesus, he knew and he modeled these transformational conversations because we're important. He says, uh, our freedom's important. Your freedom's important. Your spouse's freedom. It means everything. Really, if we followed Jesus, we'd say that might be what is worth everything to him. It's worth everything, our freedom. So on the motivation side, it's like reorient ourselves to God's vision of what marriage is and ask the big question, wow, what would it look like for his rule and reign and the way he does stuff to come into this? Is this even possible? What would that be like? But, you know, even then it's like you still need some tools. Like I can want to lose 20 pounds, but if I don't have any practical tools for it, right, good luck. So here's a couple of uh, practical things that we have found to be essential um, and we all need help, by the way. Um, first of all, just creating some ground rules for fighting, ground rules of engagement. Uh, I once went to an MMA match at uh, the Earl Warren Showgrounds, and, um, and I was expecting to watch, like, chairs flying, and, you know, I, my goal was, like, I want to come home with somebody's tooth, you know, like, I don't know what it was going to be like, and I go in there, and actually, and I talked to some of the fighters, and I knew one of the guys, and and there's actually rules of engagement, even in mixed martial arts. Did you know that? So there's rules of engagement, and it keeps things productive. Hmm. And think of that like even when you're going to have difficult conversations. If we, don't, if we don't have established ground rules, then we're, it's not going to be productive. I think actually how you have hard, complex conversations matter. Because you can stop the conversation. You can be really right and never get anything productive out of it. You have to learn how to have the conversation become productive. And part of that is having ground rules so that it doesn't, it, you don't throw gas on it. So for so, example, let's share a couple of ours. Okay, so um, no, no like stomping out of the room and stopping the conversation. You can't leave. Yeah, you can't leave unless it's agreed upon. Like, hey, we agree, we need a timeout. 
Okay, okay. great, take time out. I mean, we're, we're really practical. We all say we can't use the words always and never. Every time that happens, because you know you feel judged. So sometimes we've broken that rule. We say, ah, ah, wait, wait, wait. Can you say that again? Yellow card. Yeah, yellow card. You cannot. So we're we're actually pretty intentional about how we have it because we we want to make progress and we do these outside of the time, not about the issue. We say, okay, so if we were to have success there, here's three things. Right. We say other things. We say no eye poking. No eye poking. No Elbow knee dropping. Drops. Yeah, we yeah. we kind of yeah. There's uh, more. No swearing. That you know, just because all those escalators get us off. Actually, what we're talking about happens all the time, right? right. But it helps us. So we say that's right. worth it. So the ground rules are to keep the hardest of conversations productive, how to protect against uh, the conversation breaking down, how not to let separation and contempt come in where you're aiming at reconciliation. And, you know, they've done all this research on marriages and where contempt gets in is where you don't learn how to resolve and repair things and contempt will kill you. But repair and reconciliation is really powerful. Mm. So, um, and I'm, I'm just going to tell you this, whatever it takes. I mean, if you need counseling to get this done, get counseling. Uh, I'll recommend one great book to you right now. It's called Crucial Conversations. I wish I read it 20 years ago. It's great for leadership. It's great for friendship. It's great for marriage. You got to learn how to have difficult conversations. And some of this is, you know, go and get, go out to a glass of wine together or some decaf coffee. And when you're not all fired up and, and talk about what those ground rules are going to be, how are we going to do this? Because how the conversation matters, the timing of it, listening, building understanding with each other. So the second thing I think on the practical side is some intentional language again, uh, around reconciliation. Like, do you know how to repair? What it really requires, first of all, is a real apology. Have you ever made a fake apology? We all have. I'm sorry, okay? <laughs> or I'm sorry that you're so mad about that. <laughs> you're really saying, I'm sorry you have a problem. <laughs> You know, or sorry, I said yes. I'm sorry, okay? I mean, all these fake apologies, there's, and I have a list of about 37 of them, fake apologies. A real, real apology comes with ownership. I understand what I did that hurt you. I don't intend to keep doing it, and I apologize. But then we've learned some intentional language uh, around this that's been even more constructive for us. So it's not just I'm sorry. It's I'm sorry for that and... Jamie, will you forgive me? So it's the beginning of this transaction that's going to happen to work against contempt and toward reconciliation. We are just talking about this with Westmont students a couple weeks ago. The response, if we've done good work in our conversation and it stayed productive, is I will forgive you. And then she plays a priestly role with me and reminds me, you are forgiven. Everything you've done has already been paid for. You are forgiven. Sometimes you just need to be reminded of that because you think, I am such a turd. And then to not work with contempt, but to work against it, she'll say, I will not hold this against you. See, that's why next time you fight about something, it won't be you always. Or remember last time? It's like, no, time out. We dealt with last time. Last time was done, right? So let's talk about today. So I won't hold this against you. And then it's like this embracing of what God's given us and what he's wanting to do in our oneness. Um, this will not come between us. Hmm. You know, it's like when you sit and watch a couple say their vows to each other, 
is powerful. And when you redo that with each other to say, this will not come between us, you're saying something together that's powerful. Yeah, and we would say this is next level. We know a lot of you are like, cannot imagine it. Would never do that. Or that sounds so hokey or so staged. You know, I, we, we've been there. But you know, it, it, when you really care or hold something as it, it, vital, it actually makes a difference. We just, just believe us, just trust us. Uh, we don't do this every time, by the way. It, it might happen a couple times a year or, you know, whatever. But if it warrants something that got deep down into our heart or particularly painful, we're going to go there. We're going to say, hey, let's, let's go there because we don't want this to have any place to keep harming us. And again, we want that freedom. So we're going to even be a little more vulnerable with you right now because when we've done this, uh, it's, it's been worth it for people listening. So we're going to model it for you right now. And these are real things that we're apologizing for right now. We haven't even talked with each other about it. So, and this always feels really hokey to me. So, but I'm going to do it because I love you and I, lo I believe what God can do in you if you kind of see something. So I'm going to say to Scott, um, I want to talk about our financial health. And it came to me last night and he said, what are you going to say? What are you going to say? And I was like, oh gosh, I'm just going to say that I don't, I'm not leaning in. I'm, I'm so glad you've done that for the last many years. But when we talk about having a meeting, I don't want to have a meeting. And I actually don't want to track on all those levels. And it's not very helpful um, to you. Um, so will you forgive me for that? I will forgive you. And you are forgiven. And I won't hold this against you. And this will not come between us. Mm -hmm. Okay. I actually don't have anything to apologize <laughs> for. I had that feeling. Uh-oh, he's on. leaving me out here. I'm like... How far do I want to go on the list? <laughs> Jamie, I will say, um, you have a big job, and this role that you're in is huge, and it's been a lot to adjust to. And when sometimes I hear you get wound up about it, I don't want to go there with you because I don't want you to freak out, and that's really not good friendship, mm. not good partnership with you. Mm. I'm sorry for not listening and not plumbing that more with you and not asking you more questions. Will you forgive me? Hmm. Yes. Yes, I will. I just want to tell you all right now, that blesses me. If you're nervous about sharing, I'm, I'm immediately blessed. So I say, yes, I, yes, I forgive you. And you're forgiven. Won't come between us. Won't hold this against you. Gladly. So. We usually make out at this time. Yeah, we won't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Lori? <laughs> yeah. So we would say, guys, what we're saying, another way of saying this is that we're, we're better together. We're better together. We, when we repair and set each other free, like unity and oneness, we're better together. Uh, we, the crucible gets strengthened. And we're joining God in, in asking for and receiving and cha being changed by forgiveness. It's a game changer. We're, we're helping one another overcome things. Uh, we've seen each other change our past, our stories, some wounds, some really dark places, some, some stuck places. When we've come together, we've actually seen things change. Some of you might think, no, I'm better alone. I'm actually in this area. I'm better alone. I just want to say you're not. You're not better alone to try to handle pain or where you need to kind of move on your own as much as it could feel that way. You're not who 
He can see, who God can see you becoming together, even if you can't see it yet. You're, you're, you're not, you know, seeing the whole picture, that whole information. So a visual, we want to give you a visual that's really been helpful to us to offer you. And it's uh, particularly when we have areas or habits or things that are painful. Um, and I want to kind of name some sexual brokenness, temptation, bitterness, our past, unresolved pain, locked up places, wounds, our kids, how our kids who we love have kind of gotten in, emotional distance, neglect, faith in religion, how we feel about it, financial stress, and even this, pornography, our comfort or our discomfort with alcohol, are we healthy or not, control issues, family issues, whatever you can imagine, this is, this is something we're talking about. These are areas that can often keep us distant and broken, right? We all know it. We oftentimes say in these situations, you go take care of this and then come back. It's nice to acknowledge it exists, now you go do something with it or go get your help and then come back. Or we'll say, no, I, maybe we don't even get that far and we just say, I'm gonna take care of this, I'll figure it out myself. <sighs> that just doesn't often happen. That we don't and we can't a lot of times do that to the same degree. So we've found, instead of that, another option we'll offer you is that instead of having these things that I'm doing and he's doing, we take something big, like a big rock, let's just say, let's say we've got family stress and we put that here and we say, oh, this exists. And then instead of, okay, now you go deal with this or you go deal with this, we kind of link up and we put it out here and then we say, what are we going to do about that? This is a much better shot at having movement around that than you and you. So we say, what are we going to do about that? See, shoulder to shoulder, we're going to take some of the hardest things and look at it together. And it takes some trust, takes some risk, but we're going to look at that together. And again, we've seen some movement that we didn't have on our own. Um, and sometimes that out there could be getting help. Sometimes it's like that. Sometimes we're looking at deep ruts of abuses. We're getting new understanding, new words. But we want to be on the record to say, even including this, when you get God involved in your oneness and have some different ways of looking at that, that he can handle that. You can handle that. Your crucible can handle that. We believe that. We found that oneness is made for it. It's, it's, it's really what, what this marriage was made for. Um, we're made to be able to handle stuff, and, and God wants it. God wants your freedom. Mm -hmm. See how when, you, when you, you know, take the plane up a little high and see what God has designed here, oneness, and that means that even in, in the dark valleys of life together, that you would face it together, isn't that, again, like just tap somewhere deep into the longing of your heart? Like, I don't want to go through that stuff alone. And I don't want to be in a marriage and be lonely. Like, how can we do this together? That's all stuff that God's into. Like, he, he created this. So I want to, as we round the corner here to close, I, did, I just want to say this. I was a, a coach for about 20 years. The first uh, 11 years of that as a high school football coach. So I want to get a little coachy right now. And, but here's the caveat. What we've been talking about, if there's abuse in the relationship, um, that gets set aside. Like, th that, that changes the game entirely. So... We're not talking about, um, you know, dealing tritely with physical abuse or whatever else. But here's my coachiness. Uh, this is your marriage that God has given you. Stop whining about it and lean into it. 
And that may come off as very callous if you have a hard marriage. And I do not mean to be callous. But what I want to say is life is precious, people. And this thing that you have, it's what you have. As imperfect as it is, it's what you have. Or it's what you will have if God gives you marriage. And it's yours to sweat on. And it's yours to invest in. Uh, do not be an unintended victim in your own marriage. Hard is unavoidable. I said this to my football players and my sons all the time. Hard is not bad. Hard is just hard. Hard produces really beautiful stuff that easy doesn't. Hard is not bad. It's just hard. Uh, every Wednesday morning, Jamie and I succumb to uh, Chrissy Vlas's boot camp. And if you know Chrissy, she is just a just short and wonderful and beautiful and cheery, that woman will kill you every Wednesday morning. <laughs> and I'm not kidding you, every Wednesday morning, I'm trying not to vomit or pass out. These are my thoughts. And I have a little mantra with myself because we're on the ground and we're up and we're on the ground. And I, whenever I'm on the ground, I literally say out loud to myself, keep getting up. And that's what I just want to say to you. If you are in challenging places in your marriage, keep getting up. 1 Corinthians 13, love never quits. Don't quit. Keep getting up. That's my coachy challenge to us. Do whatever it takes. Get all the help you need. And I also just want to confront a lie that says it's too late or that God's power and love can't touch this part. That's a lie. Don't go with it. Mm-hmm. So again, just a couple of things that to finish on. Um, in a while, we're going to share communion. We've got a few things to do right before that. And we'll have some people who kind of prayer, if you, if you want to get prayer. You don't have to talk about any issues. Just, hey, prayer, bless, encouragement. Hey, we need it. One or both of you. Or stay in your seat. That's fine. You just, just know that that's, that's available. Um, the thing we'd say is maybe in the next week, maybe in the next week or two, I don't know, could you, could you imagine getting a glass of wine on your deck out somewhere, coffee, whatever, and having a conversation, a good conversation. So for some of you, that means before you start to the hardest thing, how about building a little friendship time? And we have on the app, I don't know if Julie's here, but on the, on the Ocean Hills app, if you don't have it, there's questions to discuss in your home groups or your community groups, but there's also going to be a little thing that says a friendship map. And you would be surprised at how easy this is, guys. This is actually getting to know one another currently, like, hey, um, What's, what's your favorite thing about your work? What's, what's challenging? What's, um, how, how did you feel about this? What, what's your favorite restaurant in town right now? I mean, I'm, I am not kidding you how many times we've talked with couples about just turning a corner, getting off all of your issues, and just giving each other a little tension on s- silly things. Within, and we've experienced it. We try it all the time. We, sometimes we pull it out and say, hey, let's just ask some questions of each other. Let's get current. Let's like, like each other. Let me know you. Take three or five questions and try it. So that's one thing you could do if you're at that stage. Get together one time and just say, hey, let's do that silly thing or that hokey thing that Jamie said, and let's just ask each other a couple questions and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Friendship. The another stage might be maybe you're at the stage you just get together and you want to set a couple of those rules. Hey, you know what? Let's, when we get in our next hard conversation in two days or tonight, let's, let's take, let's limit no more always in 
never, let's not do that. Maybe that'll help us. Pick whatever you want or make some up, but maybe you want to pick two things that start helping you. Or maybe for some of you, we're talking about Mount Everest here, and you feel like, uh, I don't even think we can get together. Uh, one or both of us might be willing, but we can't seem to do it. For you, we would just say on your connection card there, if you want to say we're stuck, we're stuck, here's my phone number, somebody call me. I don't even know if we're both ready to do this. But we have a handful of real couples in this community. And what we're kind of thinking there is like, maybe you just need to sit down and just maybe the four of you could sit and this couple could sit and say, this has been hard for us. Here's some of our hard places to help hear stories of where stuckness has changed. So if those are some options get together for friendship or setting rules, or maybe you just need to say, we're stuck, give us a call. Um, all options. Great. We're gonna go into communion together, which is a great picture of oneness. It's why God uses marriage as a picture of what it's like with his people. We're gonna end just with a parable. When the kingdom of God envelops a marriage, it's like a couple who went away for a long trip, a hard trip, maybe burying the husband's father. As they leave, their cat brushes a faucet handle into their stopped-up bathtub that soon releases water over the tub and throughout their home, starting on the top floor and slowly over time spreading to all the carpets, the wood flooring, spreading up and down the walls, throughout the electrical, the downstairs, flooding all the furniture, all the cabinets, eventually out into the driveway, flooding all their landscaping and out into the road. When the couple returns, they realize the house they left is destroyed. The good contractor shows up on their soggy porch and offers his services. He is famous for building real, unique, and beautiful homes. He is good and he is truthful. He even works when the surf is up. His advice is right. He gives them vision beyond their own. He is honest about the costs. So they rebuild the home together, new more beautiful than they had, better than they could have imagined, knew everything. It is hard work. It takes a long time. They make real sacrifices. Many times they wonder if it's worth it. There are many decisions, big and small, meaningful and tedious, from square footage and layouts to cabinet knobs and window treatments, many decisions required to rebuild their new home. And when it's done, they sit in their new backyard and drink good wine and enjoy their beautiful home that they built together. They get naked, really naked, in their new master suite. And it is good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we're gonna hop down here, a little unk. The band comes up. We're gonna invite you to communion. So Jesus, because he did not want brokenness and separation with his children who he loved, he, he broke his body for us. And he said around the table with his disciples, this is my body broken for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. Hmm. Same time he took the cup and he held it up and he had them all look at it and said, this is my blood shed for you. Drink and be free. So anyone who wants the kingdom of God in their life, come to the table. You are invited. You are welcome. 
We have the two sides here. You can come down the aisle and also prayer people if you kind of come to the sides and bless y'all.